one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station. Talk sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself, Simon, and Danny Murphy asked, What is the point of Crystal Palace after they arrested players in the League Cup? Is there anything wrong with treading water as a football club? Meantime, do pundits and former players have a responsibility to protect referees? Does there need to be a change in attitude? Also, has absence made the heart grow fonder when it comes to Ivan Tony? Can he turn title contenders into champions? Plus, we're joined by the General Secretary of the British Boxing Board of Control, Robert Smith, as he faces up to allegations of racism and discrimination. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Jim, can you ask Simon, what is the point of Crystal Palace? They never do anything in the league. They oh, never no. take the cup seriously because they always rotate. They're the most pointless club in England, I guess says so. Ryan. I'm, I mean, I'm, I imagine Nottingham Forest fans have spent 24 years trying to get in the Premier League must have had that feeling. Sheffield Wednesday fans that were once a big club in the Premier League uh, that got to two FA Cup, uh, FA Cup final, League Cup final in the same season must enjoy sitting bottom of the Championship. What is the point of those clubs? What is the point of Derby County? Yeah, what is the point of Reading? Let, no, never what mind that. The let's specifically talk about Palace. Why is it they seemingly always seem to be treading water? What, staying in the Premier League? Being amongst the being about being amongst the twenty elite clubs in mm. the biggest league in world football, yeah. consistently, consistently is treading water. Depends how you want to characterise it. Look, should could they kick on? Brighton don't tread water. Uh, Brighton are doing very well for a moment in time. This is a moment in time. Crystal Palace a few years ago got to an FA Cup final where. When they got in the top ten in the league, <laughs> yeah, but, let's, but let's have it right. If we want to characterise yeah. it properly, let's see how Brighton do in five years' time. If Brighton is still doing what they're doing now, fabulous. I think we've deviated from the point on Palace, which is which is they've played a weakened team at Man United. Now, the weakened team should still perform better than it did. There you it, go. It was it, it go. was a poor performance, yeah. and in some ways, probably makes Roy's life moving forward very easy when the knocks come on the door now about not playing and all that. And if you don't give them that opportunity, then you, you, Palace aren't fortunate enough to be in Europe and have lots of games where they can rotate players and see how they do. So the League Cup is the lesser of the cup competitions where he can make a few changes and see if a few of them have got something about them to push the other lads. Who, who, they don't spend any money, do they? I mean, no, comparatively and, speaking, but they're not they the only club money. who have. Uh, most mid. Neither to, the Brighton. 
We no. can't keep comparing to Brighton. Well, again, they, I mean, this is the current. This is the current vote. You can, you can actually. Well, you can for the time being, and it's, <laughs> and it's a salient example. And you're right to do so. But in perpetuity, Palace have been in the Premier League for 10, 11 years. Brighton have been there for four or five now, doing remarkably well. Right now, they've got the zeitgeist. They're recruiting players, like we said the other day. They turn four and a half million pound players into hundred million players, and the other team that gets them turns a hundred million pound player yeah. back into a four so and a half million. Done. Pound. I'll tell you it where I'm at on it. Currently, you. like it was Southampton could be done. It could be done for Southampton to produce the best academy. I mean, they have players, and in the end, you keep selling your players. Nothing lasts forever. But right now, when that coach goes, and when the the, the recruitment yeah, criteria, quick as, it can, it can turn, turn as quickly as it came, and all yeah, of a sudden, yeah. But we're not at that point. The league, right. the league cup, is is always been or for a lo- one, the league cup for a long ter- long time, has been a cup where mid to lower Premier League managers have a decision to make on whether they rest and change a lot of players, or even bigger clubs like Tottenham. They went out, didn't they, to Fulham early on? True. And sure. Postacoglu made a load of changes. It's always been a decision that managers have had to make early in the season on whether they're going to play a full-strength team and get through or not. I, personally, on this subject, never really understand, unless you are absolutely struggling for injuries, why you wouldn't want to put your strongest team out to gain some momentum, some confidence, and get another another round of that cup in to keep the fans a bit happy, to get the players confidence up because normally they won't have won many games early in the season the teams around the bottom or mid-table mm. so mm. The they're playing Man United is in the it, League Cup is anyone is anyone, is that raided anybody? no hold on we'll get not, some, not I'm talking more generally here I know but again and I, again I'm going to say the word Brighton go there recently in the big competition when the stakes are at their highest Palace the is Palace and win but what and blew them away but what have they took won? them apart okay so they they're get, in Europe fantastic Great. Currently, they're in Europe. Palace are dreading water, and they've been around longer well, in the, in, in, in the, on the scene than Brighton Palace have. Are There's James, the Arsenal fan. I'm fed up with clubs giving up in cups. That's exactly what. But Palace they're not did. the only one, are they? That's my point. No, they, you're we're, right. We're, Danny. we're talking you're about right. Palace as if, as well, if they've uh, made this. Do we get full houses at League Cup games then? Is that what? You know, ultimately, the League Cup at this stage in its development isn't the most attended. Competition. It As you can, say, what's that going to do with the price of cheese? Well, it has everything to do it's with the price of cheese. Because, oh, I'll tell you what it's got to do with the price of cheese. Because when the fans turn around and say, I'm fed up with teams, not well, half the time you don't go and watch them in the League Cup. You just complain about the results. Yeah. So get it right. I'll ask you one simple one. Former owner of Crystal Palace, Simon Jordan. Yes. Are Palace progressing? Um, I would say they've stabilised. Mm. And sometimes the, the argument—if I wanted to make an argument—I would say they did that a long was, time ago. Well, if I was being a well, hold on. The last two or three seasons, <laughs> they've they, 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 got themselves into a situation where they've averted relegation. Well, now, that's why Roy came in. Now Roy's come back in. I would suggest. I mean, Roy didn't like the performance last night, and they got Man United again on Saturday, and he didn't like the the, the fact that they were given a footballing lesson. I would suggest that Roy's approach to that game by by changing the the formation was based upon his preference to stay in the Premier League. So look at the manager as well. Well, I think he also probably believed, which I don't, as I say, I don't agree with. Defending someone that you like. I'm not. I don't agree. I don't (laughs) agree with the protection of players this early in the season. Um, especially when you're playing good opposition. I mean, Palace's best team last night would have given United a go. Well, there must there be you some, go, Danny. But there must be That's some, my point. But there must be, oh, come on, Dan. There must be some method to the madness. We can't all know better than the managers. No, These managers that, have a just, reason that you say, I'm not in the camp of but protecting players. I've dealt with players. that. I've dealt with that at sure, the top of the show. Man, you haven't dealt with managing the players. You've dealt with the individual responsibility that you have to look I after have. yourself. I said, if the, mani- the manager now knows that or he's got a... He's got a Performance where most of those players didn't turn up, and when they knock on his door now, he hasn't got a problem. So that's so that's so, he's, that, so that he's, wasn't the object of the aim. It wasn't. I, I want to weed out the wheat from the chase. No, you right? don't think that. that but a manager object, thinks I'll give these lads an opportunity because they're training hard. 
They all want to play. They're all, you know, they all think they should play. I'm going to put them in. Yeah. See how they do. Yeah. Maybe one or two of them can say the elder. So that's management, it. isn't it? So he's rotating people because he knows yes. he's got to so keep the, the squad happy. There's, there's two so sides. There's, to the, there's to two it, sides it? to the argument. My point is that I think I would go the other way and, and go full strength, especially. Agree, but Danny. they don't, Danny. And they also say they do. So that's a good message. Fans don't go like last night because reserve teams are played by and large. Simon is arguing against himself this morning. I've got to say you pretty much are. There's Richard, a Brighton fan. Brighton have been seven years in the Premier, Simon, not four or five. Okay. Do you know, I had a, I, ironically, I had a row with Roy at Fulham when we played Bristol Rovers at home and they brought four or 5,000 fans. It was their cup final. We... we Tweaked it, we ended up drawing 2-2. We ended up having to go and play him in a replay. And Roy made a load of changes and left me at, like, said, no, I don't I want you ready for the weekend. We went down, I was fuming because I, I knew... Fuming? Yes, fuming. Yes. I'm not overdoing it. No? I was fuming. I bet. It was the year Bristol Rovers got to the quarters or the semis after they beat us. We had a good chance of getting to Wembley. The game, it would have been one more game after that. We go down to Bristol Rovers on a crappy pitch... Weather awful, lads. Some of the lads not really capable. Yeah, end up getting done on pens. Opportunity lost. Yeah, and the, and the reason I go the other way, and I understand completely why the managers do make changes, but the reason I'd go the other way is because when you finish your career, and I've finished mine, the moment you look back on, I won two league cups, right? I remember them. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. I think we're agreed, aren't we? Without giving him too much praise, that Mr. Murphy's one of the best pundits around, if not the best. He's the best. He's the best. All right, we're agreed on that. So, punditry, it's a tricky old game, Danny. You've got to choose your words carefully, haven't mm. you? And if you don't, you can land in a spot of trouble. Um, after the North London derby, Jermaine Genus, JJ to you, Danny, posted on Twitter, complete S-house of a referee. They're all ruining our game. So then he had a change of mind and thought, I better write that wrong. And he went on drive yesterday. Frustration was just articulated wrong. You know, the wording of what I said was, was completely wrong and the way that I put it. Um, you know, my feelings towards kind of uh, the standard of refereeing and how it's been handled and how much it's changing the game, um, that hasn't changed uh, in terms of my opinion. So, you know, it was just um, an error on my part in terms of the way that, like I said, I, I articulated my words. And I think... In any walk of life, you are, you know, you, 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 you got to hold your hands up at times and just go, you know what, I got that one wrong and, uh, and we move on. My emotions got the better of me and I apologise to the FA and to all match officials. He still has a swipe at the standard of officialdom at the same time. But this is Jermaine who led the Love Football Protect the Game campaign, jointly organised by the FA, the Premier League, the EFL and Professional Footballers Association, amongst other footballing bodies. And he even made a video which was broadcast on the organisation's websites and social media channels. I mean, this it was a howler, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's made worse by the fact he did what you just said the you know the for the FA. I, I think uh, I was surprised because he generally is a, he's he's a super smart lad, JJ. You know, he's um he's a deep thinker and he's done really well to get to the level he has and he's 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 outstanding at what he does. I like him. He's a great lad. A friend of mine. And and I, w I wouldn't if you'd have said to me someone has written that he would be at the bottom of my list and I mean that genuinely so I was surprised I'm glad he's apologised because it was a silly thing to say I mean he wasn't working let's just get that right I know we're talking about pundits but he wasn't on air as a pundit saying that he's, he's tweeted was it tweet? yeah I think, mm -hmm. I think he's tweeted that or yeah. as as a 
as a fan from afar are not thinking straight and he's letting the emotion get the better of him. I mean, it's hard to be too critical of anybody who's sitting in my shoes because I've made a couple of howlers myself in my ten, in my ten years. Um, I find that hard to believe. Well, I have, unfortunately. Really? So I don't jump on the bandwagon and, you know, hammer people too much. We but are, on a broader basis, does there not need to be an attitude change amongst the pundits? Because, like never before, the referees are doing a damn good job assisted by VAR, and there are many, many more right decisions than wrong ones. I think it would be fair to say, and even turning turning that finger at myself, to say more awareness of wording and choice of words and context, yeah. I don't know about change of attitude. I don't, I don't think there's a desire for pundits that I know to just want to go on air and hammer referees. There's a desire to watch good football and, and do good tactical pieces for me. I don't really want to talk about ref decisions when I go on air. Uh, it's, in fact, it's the most it's the most dislikable part of the job, but sometimes you have to call it what it is, you know. But you could you can, I I think I it's I a think choice of words though, isn't it? I mean, you called referees thick last season. I did once, yeah. Which which on the same show I said I did take back because I realised after saying that didn't sound good. I think incompetent. You said you could learn the rules in a day. You couldn't really. You could. Yeah, because I know most of them already, so I could learn the rest. But I would say, I would say on a more productive point that this handball rule, which is becoming really frustrating for pundits, fans, and everybody, when you read, and I've had to read all the rules of it and go through them. Yeah. The, the wording well, it's not of difficult. It, well, pardon? It's not difficult. Well, no, it is, Jim. So this is why they're making it's an so, offence if a player touches the ball. Have with you his read hand. all the mitigating circumstances? Romero did. Have you read all the mitigating circumstances on why they can't? What the reasons why they they can and can't give them? Because I can go through them with you if you want. Yes, on your you talk, You're talking about trajectory of ball once it's hit a body part to then go to the hand if that happens, which proximity. it wasn't in the Wolves game. Proximity. So, um, yeah, proximity. You're talking about your unnatural position, which is very subjective, whoever you are, because you and I can talk about but what... This is right. what you're no, asking, no, no, let me get to the point. For, you're asking for a perfect science to an imperfect situation. I'm not asking for a perfect science. I'm actually, I'm actually but saying we're, we're so. Moving, let me finish. We're, moving, I'm we're say- moving off the idea that referees... Referees should be accountable, and there should be an ability to question. Exactly. But the manner in which you question, an error... It's not an error. An error was buying that awful grape... Uh, hoodie that you wore last week. Yes, a that choice was, that was, was what Jermaine Janus did, which yep. was to make his opinion in the language that he thought that he can get away with saying. Now that he suddenly realised he can't get away with saying, out comes a snivelling, self-serving pseudo-apology, rather than an acknowledgement that we need to value officials. I, I maintain my position that re- officials should be accountable. I maintain that we should have the right to constructively criticise. But I do also s- accept the fact that refereeing is a very difficult situation and we should value them more from the top of the game to the bottom. That's not a snivelling right in blood apology. That's a reflection and a respect for someone else's profession. In the same way that footballers demand and command an expectation of re- respect for what they do, yet they give none of it back... To the officials. So where I, was, I think that's fundamentally flawed. I think it's good points, but where I was leading to with the point before was that referees need some help with the way the laws are written. Because I'm telling you, Jim, I went through them on Saturday. Let's just do handball. It leaves it open for interpretation instead of clear, concise. So handball can be made quite easily. Mm. A, a much more simplistic thing, whether you think it's deliberate or not deliberate, or is it, is it stopping a goal? And you can really simplify handball. It's not that difficult. It used to be back in our day, deliberate or not. Unless it yeah. stops a goal. Now, you can but that's also de- subjective as well. Yes, but less so. There's, less blat- so there's, blat- when there's blatant talk- cases of, of deliberate handball, yes. but there's also ones that are a little bit more... Sneaky. Yeah. yeah. But, but if you're so pointing out, Danny, the referee's job is so hard, why do you continually batter them? 
I don't. I I may I have to in my job make observations. You've about got to what, batter them. What, what, how do you defi- define batter? Batter is a physical thing. Well, there's there's criticism and there's constructive criticism, and I think Simon touched on it there. The key word in all of well, this let, hold on. is, let, let, is let, respect. Yeah, respect. And there's but no let, respect let, in saying complete s house of a referee. There's no respect in that. Or but, but I'm thing. talking more and from all, my own point of view. All referees are let, well, okay. let's let's just get some let's just get some reality and context to this. If we want a utopian world and an idealistic world where everybody's going to go on and give constructive criticism and be really positive, we are being naive. Uh, if you, Football is an emotional sport. I, as a pundit, get emotional. I am allowed to be critical and use certain so negative if, words if, and connotations if gonna, about if officials. If we're going to use the utopian world trope, why don't you lot shut up then about your expectation that referees get it right every single time? Because why do you, keep, you don't. Why do you keep throwing that silly line out? Because it's true. Nobody because I've you, ever spoken to in my life expects you, them to get it right yes, every single time. The, you just uh, keep Major- the out. majority of the time, the, ex- the, the bad decisions are the exceptions that don't prove any particular rule. You give no currency whatsoever to a 97, 98% success rate. What, the what, only thing you focus on is the odd mistakes that referees make. How do you make a 97% success rate on penalties, for example? Who's, that, who's giving that percentage out? Because it's subjective. <laughs> you can't it's, give well, a percent. We're what, talking what, about handballs at the moment. You want to then generalise it into the percentages. That, that so, so what we're now, what you're now doing is defining penalties as some form of subjectivity. No, but you're throwing stats out on the whole VAR thing. I think you're where you're getting United some silly ninety-seven percent, which I don't know I'm where you got that, that from. I'm saying that the reality of referees is that they make more decisions on the bulk of the decisions that they make. They, they are. On the money. So they should be 78 cameras. And so they should be. And four slow motions and 38 people in a room telling them what they've done. said they're all ruining our game. Which is wrong. Because many of them are doing their best to improve our game. And I'm actually at the point now, Jim, for one of the first times, probably this season, is saying, let's help them a bit more and try and simplify some of the rules for them. Because I took the time to read some of through these handball rules, and I'm I'm not kidding, we are going to continually see similar handballs given penalties and not penalties, the similar examples because of their interpretation when they... The referees must go home and read some of these things and go, Jesus... And now they can go through all them with the VAR but, guy and get But I do honestly, find myself, as much as, I, I think as much as I'm fond of you, I do find myself sitting watching you pundits on television commenting because you're ex-players, quite irritating with your attitude of that no one else is allowed to make a mistake because you make them all day, every day. <laughs> and Domain Janice has just, has just exactly given the attitude of the pundits that I've been suggesting, that behind it, you say, nobody goes on there wanting to hammer referees. I, okay, I, I don't but, believe you. But do. the default setting was, rather than say, geez, ref, that's a poor decision, he goes to the extreme, because that's the underlying psychological thought process that you lot have about officials. You don't much respect them. You don't much like them. You don't value them. You don't value their contributions. They're an obstacle and an irritation and in your, and, and in your way because they, they operate with some degree of authority and you don't recognise it. So what you've seen for Jermaine Jenners is actually what the football fraternity thinks of referees. I, I think it's hard to... to you call them thick, so you, you can You can't down. group us all under the same umbrella. The, the fact is that we are... They earn okay. six figures, right? They do a wonderful... They're well, in so a what? Wonderful, let me, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll tell you what it's got to do with it. In football, whether you're a referee, a manager, a player, or whatever coach, whatever you do, you take you you have to take some criticism because the job you're in. Now, if you can't take it, criticism. if you can't stand the heat, get out of the bloody kitchen. Sometimes you're going to get criticised. Yes, there's a responsibility to choose your wording correctly and be reasonably articulate in how you no criticise. No pundit would call a manager in his house. No, no pundit not, would call. I'm if you, if you, if you not even dare criticise one of your own brethren. <gasps> That's not right. I've just said, That's JJ, JJ's words are wrong. I'm not saying that's acceptable. But let's not so go the whole other race. way and start saying, let's not ever say a bad word about but officials. But you have a newfound respect, do you? You're going to change a bit. You have a newfound respect. They're no longer thick.
They were never thick. Thick was incorrect, and I apologise. They're not incompetent. They're, They're competent. Some of them are incompetent. And you're out to help them. Some of them are incompetent. I'll stand by that till, till I go my grave. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Brentford against Arsenal tonight in the Carabao yeah, Cup is live and talk sport. Uh, here's the thing. Ivan Tony was uh, the topic of conversation when the media met Thomas Frank ahead of this one. Uh, Tony will be available to return to action in January, but he's expected to leave Brentford during the winter transfer window. Arsenal, curiously, uh, amongst those who are very interested, it's been reported, in signing him. This is another person that Simon likes blowing smoke as well, isn't it? Who's that? Howard Webb, Ivan Tony. All right. Oh, the list is endless. Oh, no. This is maybe Thomas Frank uh, falls into that category as well. Uh, Thomas was talking about Tony in the build-up to this one and about what might happen with the player come the winter transfer deadline. For me, as a as a coach, I don't want to sell him. You know, of course, I want my best players. So of course, I say to uh, to Phil and Matt, don't sell him. The same I said with uh, with David. We, we that's. Ivan is a world-class player, so why should we sell a world-class player? I would rather want him to play here for the rest of his contract. Uh, but that's up, not up to me to decide. So that was Thomas on Ivan. Is Ivan Tony Danny a title-winning striker? Um, I think that would be going a little bit strong. I think he's a super player. Does he turn contenders into champions? No. No, not necessarily. Does he improve some of the teams he's been linked with? Yes. Yes, but to make them title contenders mean you've got... you've. I mean, could he score 25, 30 goals playing for Arsenal? Um, possibly, but I'd, I'm, I wouldn't be sure. I wouldn't put money on it, no. So why are they all after him? I mean, Chelsea considering signing a striker in January. I'm not surprised at that. Tottenham monitoring the situation. Arsenal in the in the mix as well. 
he's going to leave, is he not? In spite of what Thomas said, and Thomas is a good man and was quite diplomatic there, but does he come back to leave? I think he'll go. I think there's a there's a shortage of top strikers out there. There's clubs who really need strikers. He, last season, had the season of his life and got 20 goals, which is no mean feat, by the way. Granted, quite a few penalties in there, but that doesn't matter. He's still got to put them away as well. Um, What's he not got then that doesn't make him a title-winning uh, striker? Well, the reason I didn't say that, I say that because there's very few players in the world when you're trying to compete with Man City who I'm thinking could come to another team and make them title contenders. Um, you're talking about Mbappe, you're talking a very few. So it's not a slant on him. Uh, I think he lacks a little bit of dynamism and explosive power, which really scares people. Are Arsenal title contenders as we speak now? Yeah. So what are you on about then? So if Tony comes in and enhances them, he enhances their ability to be better title contenders. Well, actually, he? I think... In isolation, if he's the only reason they're going to win the title, no. But as a component part, an value-added part of an opportunity to, to control their own destiny, Arsenal didn't lose the Depends title. Depends how you determine Arsenal didn't contenders. lose the title, did they, because of Manchester City. They lost the title because they imploded themselves. Mm. Yeah. They handed it back to Man City. Man City did what they did. Defensively, they imploded. They did what they did. And it's thought that Tony is the and missing piece of the jigsaw for Arsenal. Top. If if Arsenal get them, the jigsaw's complete and they can go on and pip City. No? No, no I don't think so. I think they'll run them closer. Yeah, I think I'd... they'll run them closer than the current Arsenal might. If Arsenal are contenders, that's a possibility that Danny's right in that instance. One of the problems Arsenal have got when you look at the breakdown of the team in terms of Tony fitting in is that he is really good in the air and he likes yeah. Brentford put a lot of crosses in the box yeah, and Arsenal moves. got they Arsenal do put they're more pullback you know they've get, got Saka on there yeah but he's a left footer playing on the right and Martinelli's a right, right. footer playing on the left so they like to go in and play little triangles and, and when they do go round the back they do pull back and, and I'm not saying he wouldn't score a load of goals for him because he is a super talent but I, you have to sometimes look at a player and why he got all the goals he did in the team he did now he doesn't just score headers that's Bit, I'm not I'm not saying that. Hmm. But Brentford play to his strengths, and they don't mind mixing the game up. Arsenal are a footballing team, bar nothing. They play really good, intricate football and pretty patterns. And Tony's not played in a team that does that, so there's no guarantee he's going to walk where in. Do you and think get... it, where do you like him for them? Um, I think the obvious one at the moment is Chelsea crying out for a striker, a Costa, hmm. a Drogba. And if you look at Tony's attributes, he's more like a Costa. He's got that physical bit. He'll have it with anyone. He's got good feet. You know, he can chop the boy, scores both feet. He, he's got a bit about him. So, actually, for me, it screams Chelsea. There's Ben in Birmingham. Tony needs to come to the villa. He'd thrive under Emery. Simon, here's one for you. Know, I, 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 I seriously mean this. In view of why Tony has been missing, should his return be celebrated? No. No, uh, who's going to celebrate it? Of course, the Brent fans are going to be him. grateful to see him back. He's going to celebrate his return, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he's going. He's, he's going. And the reasons why there's such interest is because very rarely do you see a top-class centre-forward come available in the January transfer window. So there's a rarity to that little beast. Yeah. It depends if the marketplace is there for the price that Brentford may well want. What the player will want is huge salaries. What, is he 28, sorry? 27, I think. Does he owe Brentford a lot? Of course he does. Does he owe it, football a lot? Um, does he owe the Premier no, I don't League know if he owes football a lot. No, he owes no, no, he owes Brentford something. They're the people that gave him an opportunity, and he's repaid them by his 
performances. Yeah, exactly. 68 goals in 111 games or whatever he's done, 45, 30 in the championship and 32 in, the, in two Premier League seasons, is a good return on and investment. And he'll also be repaying them when they get the fee through. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's the flip side of the argument. I'm pretty sure that Brentford would rather have him in their side because they get a £60, £70 million transfer. If they don't achieve in the Premier League, they can lose that quite easily by not being successful in the Premier League. Yeah, the reward for Brentford is... <laughs> the difficult one for Matthew is that he's continuing to pay... Um, Ivan Tony, his reward will be the player will just stick in a transfer request or engineer a move in January. And the only reason he won't go in January is if the market doesn't bear the price that Brentford reasonably wants. If the market thinks that he can nick Tony for sub 60 million quid, then they'll sell him in the summer. Yeah. But, but be, then be under no illusion, if you've changed your agents and you've got Manassie, who's a good agent, and Jonathan Burnett, not so much, but working in that respect to be able to achieve an outcome. In your opinion. In my opinion, yep. In my experience. In your experience. Uh, in my opinion, based upon my experience. Um, in your but opinion, the bottom, yeah, yeah, But the bottom line yeah. is, is they, he's, he's changed agents to have a move. There's an expectation of a move. He's going to move. It'd be interesting to see. I, I quite like him for Tottenham. Mm. I think he'd be a signing for Tottenham. Yeah, that'd it work. begs the question about what would happen with Richarlison in that respect. And is everything else, is the slate white clean? Everything else that went on, is that well, forgotten about? Yeah, well, yeah, of course it is, is because it? he served his punishment. Right. So the bottom line is, is he he committed an act of self-harm, he broke rules, he's been consequence for it, all the carping and whining about what he's entitled to, not for me, but the going on podcasts and giving it, not for me, yeah. and I don't think for members of his family either. I don't I think agree. that was particularly impressive for them either. But he did what he did. Now he's keeping his head down, he's back in training, he gets back in January, and, and, and he'll go because he's a proper player. Okay. He's a really good player. And, and again, I don't think football should be sitting there going, actually, we should constantly now flagellate him forever because of what he did okay so he's back in january and the ivan tony show will go on the world's most dangerous download outspoken with white and jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station talk sport yesterday we highlighted the channel 4 report uh, that the british boxing board of control uh, was facing accusations of racism and discrimination you remember this simon a, a, a female boxer and uh, two judges were the subjects of those allegations in this channel 4 report um one thing missing from the report was the representation itself from the british boxing board of control they were not in it and were nowhere to be seen when it came to giving their side of the story. Channel 4 said they'd approached the board for comment, but they didn't want to be part of it. So, um, this show has decided we'll go out there and get a response from the British Boxing Board of Control. Does racism exist in the sport of boxing? So we got in touch with the man at the very top of the British Boxing Board of Control, Robert Smith, and we got his reaction earlier on this morning to the allegations made by the Channel 4 report. Obviously very disappointed. I mean, I've worked for this organisation for a long time and I don't believe anything that was said on the, in the documentary is correct. You know, we are work very hard with all races, all religions, etc. And uh, as I said, I don't think it's correct. I'm disappointed it would put out without actually coming to us and doing proper investigation. But didn't they come to you? I mean, in the Channel 4 documentary, they said they approached you for comment. You declined to comment. Why would you not participate in the documentary? Well, quite simple, Jim. I received a letter on the Thursday afternoon um, with lots of details on it, which they want an answer by the Monday afternoon, two working days. We went back asking for more information of what had been said. It wasn't forthcoming. 
they've had a year to put it together. They asked us to deal with it in two days. We wrote to them. We gave them our point of view. They used some of the things we said, but not all of them. So, you know, it's a bit like doorstepping to a certain extent. They get a year. They ask us for two days. Robert, it's alleged from Rosanna Begum that she was reprimanded for wearing leggings in the ring. She felt discriminated against. It's a serious allegation. What's the truth of it? I think the situation on that was is quite simple. I don't remember seeing a complaint with regard to that matter. And if they would have contacted the head office with regard to the leggings and given a reason why it's religious, etc., head office would have informed all the officials at the show that everything was fine. It's, you know, it's, they have a discretionary power. Um, we wouldn't do anything wrong with regard to religion. So ultimately, you know, if they contacted us, we would inform the officials. It wouldn't have been an issue. Are there procedures in place for Muslim fighters, fighters from religious backgrounds, male and female? Yes, of course. Obviously, we need to be informed of these things and we can make put things in place. So uh, we're open to every religion and every race. Um, so it's disappointing that we should be targeted with regard to that. Robert, the, the two other individuals mentioned in the documentary, Ian John Lewis and Jeff Hines, two British Boxing Board of Control judges, referees, John Lewis officiated Catterall Taylor and felt that he was downgraded after it because of the colour of his skin. Yeah, no, I think you would appreciate that I, I can't discuss anything with regard to those two cases because of legal claims. But I can tell you any decision made with regard to those two gentlemen was not down to race or down to religion, it's down to performance. It still remains a fact that there appears to be a lack of referees and judges from minority backgrounds. Why is that? And what is boxing doing about that? Well, we're always open. The thing is, people have to apply for positions, etc. It's an application process. When we get an application, everybody's treated exactly the same way. One thing that did frustrate me somewhat in the documentary was you know, with regard to the lack of um, officials from, different, from minorities, etc. At the end of 1980s and beginning of 1990s, we had Brian Anderson, the former British middleweight champion, he was a referee, a very good referee, uh, in the in, in end of 1999s, 2000s. Ken Curtis was a very good referee. Uh, we've had applications from ethnic minorities with regard to training, etc. So everybody's considered exactly the same way. Do you have a message this morning? I mean, you've spoken to us, Robert. Do you have a message this morning for the documentary makers? Just disappointed that, as far as I'm concerned, they didn't do their investigation properly. So that was Robert Smith. Simon... Um, Jordan Janet Bryan headed up the report. He fronted it up for the cha- for Channel 4. Uh, he joined us yesterday. He's busy today, but that hasn't stopped him giving us a statement. He says, uh, we wrote to them, British Boxing Board of Control, Thursday the 14th with an initial date of Monday the 18th. We delayed the broadcast after their legal letter to consider their position. And the story was broadcast on Friday the 22nd. A request for an interview was made on the 14th. At no point did they ask for more time to respond. This is the board. If they had, we would have granted it. We wrote a seven-page letter detailing in full the claims made by the interviewees, as we are obliged to do under Ofcom. So, Jordan is saying, the board knew the parameters. Mm -hmm. We laid out the the background to where the report was going, and they had time to respond. Well, they haven't got the board on record, and we did within sort of 12 hours of them coming on our show. And also, an interesting point that Jordan made yesterday in the discussion, he said it's not my job to interrogate the, the observations made by people claiming racism. 
It's also not your job to be the mouthpiece for it either. Your job as a journalist is to do precisely what you say isn't your job, which is to interrogate all aspects of the of the uh, story. of the scenario to create a, scenario, a story. I maintain, and I said it yesterday post the discussion with Jordan. Sometimes the narrative is that they don't really want the nuance. They don't want the context. They prefer the headline. The headline is that boxism, boxing, is rife with racism. And then that can be extrapolated up to institutional racism or systemic racism because that's another particular favourite of people that believe that the only reason for a lack of representation is racism. Can't be anything else. Can't be because the reasons why there's no black jockeys. Can't be because they don't particularly want to be involved in that sport. Maybe because it's because it's because of racism. Can't be that people aren't applying for these jobs because they don't want to do it for any other reason than they don't want to do it. Has to be racism. And I'm sorry if it sounds controversial. There's a part of me that believes there's a there's a that they prefer it to be not defended robustly, because I sat on a show yesterday and said to that fella Jordan, "What? Well, how do you explain this young lady?" Rosanna having a photograph with shorts on. Or was it know about that? Well, if I know about it, mm. you've been doing a documentary for a bleeding year. What Why don't say you is know this about Simon? it? Now, I, the British Boxing Board of Control and Robert can do what they want. But I would have thought it would have been more prudent to take up the request from Channel 4 to rep be represented in the documentary because yeah, he said yes fair. to us in a, yeah I think so Danny he said yes to us I think that's pretty much in an instant I think that's probably right I think they, they, there may be an element of misjudgment there may be an element of they didn't like the motivation of the documentary producers and they may have seen it for what it might have been that might be me uh, superimposing a supposition on that point but the point is they would be better in my view better served representing it because they could have advanced he won't speak to ongoing legal matters because he can't what he did do was talk about the allegations about race and saying no it was a performance issue everybody knows I'm sorry everybody knows with with um, the particular referee that refereed the Cattrall um, Taylor fight John Lewis John yeah. Lewis there was an issue around performance the everybody judge, in the judge, industry yeah everybody yes. knows yeah. sorry the judge yeah. everybody yeah. knows that over his recent career there's been an issue about the standard of officiating whether it being refereeing or judging so so for him to extrapolate it up to racism is an easy go-to point that all of a sudden becomes the subject matter. And, and it, it wasn't difficult for me to ascertain. I didn't phone the British Boxing Board of Control to ascertain certain information about Rosanna. I dug around a little bit, spoke to a couple of people and got the information forthcoming. Roxana, yeah. yeah. Roxana, sorry. Yeah. So yeah. with that in mind, it feels to me that there wasn't any real interest in getting nuance and context. But go to your points. The British Boxing Board of Control could have said the same things to them. It was it, it was fairly said easy to, to speak to us, so why yeah. not speak to them? That would be my contention. Well, they must have their they, reasons. They were approached, but they must have their reasons. Declined their approach, but they spoke. They spoke to us. The report, and we saw it yesterday with great with the greatest respect to Jordan. If you've got a journalist seriously saying to you of their own words, it's not my job to question someone's allegations, then you have to turn around and say, well, what is your job then? It's not your job to be their mouthpiece either. Well, it sounds like his job is to sensationalise a story rather than do a proper analysis on both sides. You may say that. All right. I, I, I think Jordan, if it, if it, um, if it was 
reluctant to front up, he would not have given us a statement, which he has done earlier this morning. And fair play to him because he's out filming uh, later on. But if it was that straightforward for us to get a comment and an interview with the British Boxing Board of Control, it's over why a year. didn't the Channel 4 documentary it's do the same? It's over a year, same? isn't it? So yeah. they could have done it. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave a review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show.